And so let's read responsively together question and answer 122. What does the first petition mean? Hallowed be your name means help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. In the reading of God's word from Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to it. Well, tonight, loved ones, we're considering that first petition of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. But as Juliet says in Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet, what's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And most of us have probably heard that before, but what does that phrase mean? Well, Juliet is expressing her opinion, which is this, that a name is just a social construct. A name, in her mind, is something superficial that's added on to the essence of a thing. And so a name doesn't change or reflect the essence of that thing. And according to her thinking, If we were to call a rose something else, for fun, let's say a pickle, if we called that flower a pickle, well, it wouldn't change its smell or its color or its beauty. It would still look and smell beautiful. And therefore, according to Juliet, the name doesn't matter. And in the context, Juliet was trying to argue that it didn't matter that her lover Romeo belonged to a rival family that had a bad reputation attached to their name. And so she was trying to justify her love for someone that was forbidden for her to pursue. Now, was Juliet right? Are names superficial add-ons that have no value? Or can names reflect the very essence of a thing? Well, I think most of our culture today would agree with Juliet. Our culture thinks that names or categories or definitions are all social constructs, things that are outdated, ways in which society tries to suppress authenticity. Our culture says that what really matters is in the heart, not the external name or category or definition given to a thing. How does that way of thinking line up with what Jesus says? Here, we are considering the first and foremost petition of Jesus teaching us to pray. And here he says, hallowed be thy name. Let your name be regarded as holy, set apart, sacred. You see, our Lord Jesus, and in fact, every Jew of the first century, would very much disagree with Juliet. According to the ancient Jewish mindset, names were of great importance. Why? Well, names reflected 
the very essence of the thing. Consider a few significant names in the Bible and their meaning in Hebrew. Adam. Adam means man. Why? Because he was the first human being. He was the first man. Eve means life because women give life, and especially that's seen in childbirth. Abraham. Abraham means father of many peoples, and so he is the father of all those who have faith in Christ, even of all the nations. David. David's name means beloved. And he is the man after God's own heart, and he was beloved of God. Interestingly, in the book of Ruth, we hear her mother-in-law, Naomi, say this. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now, what's interesting in that story is that Naomi in Hebrew means pleasantness, whereas Mara means bitterness. She's saying that my name no longer fits with the reality of who I am, my circumstances, my life. And so I need a new name to fit with that reality, at least the way she perceived it. And again, it shows us how seriously they took names. They saw the meaning of names as reflective of who the person was or would be. And of course, we come to the name Jesus. Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, because as the angel of the Lord told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, what's my point with this? What's this? Simply that there is much more to names than we realize. To the ancient Jews and to God himself in his word, names do have value and meaning. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says this, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Now, we have to think of this in its original context as well, because part of this was, in fact, cultural. We can think of the practicality of this, that belonging to a family that was well-known in their society, a family that was well-respected, They had a good name about them. That was a blessing to belong to such a family. A good name would give a person privilege in life. Opportunities would open up before them in trade and business. Why? Because their family name was trusted. This is mostly lost on us today. We don't really function in that way as a society, except perhaps with name brands. It's kind of, it plays out in a very similar way. There are some name brands that people trust Just by seeing the name or the logo in the store, we trust the quality of that name brand. And so we kind of know about the value of names, but in our context, it's very commercialized. Okay, why am I belaboring this point? Perhaps you're thinking about names. Why it's so important because this petition is so hard for us to understand and apply because we do not think of names today in the way that Jesus is talking about here in this context. For the ancient Jew, the name of God was sacred. They wouldn't pronounce his name. They would say Adonai instead of Yahweh. They would say Hashem, which in Hebrew means the name instead of pronouncing his name, because the very name of God was his self-revelation to humanity, to his people, and through them to the world. 
And so to the question, what is the name of God? The ancient Jew, including Jesus, would answer, the name of God is God himself. God's name manifests the creator to his creatures. And that's why the Heidelberg Catechism gets it right, explaining to us what hallowed be thy name means. It says, help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them, your mighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. God's name, therefore, refers to the knowledge of God himself and all his works which reveal who he is to us. And so to summarize that, the name of God is shorthand for the fullness of God's self-revelation. I'll say it again. The name of God is shorthand for the fullness of God's self-revelation, how he has revealed himself, his full, entire self-disclosure, to humanity through his word and his works. And this comes out time and time again in the Old Testament when God's name is set as parallel or equal to God himself, such as in Psalm 103, verse 1, which says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Those two lines there are set in opposition to one another, parallel to one another. They complement one another. Therefore, to bless his holy name is to bless the Lord himself. And that only makes sense if God's name refers to his self-revelation, how he has revealed himself to us. Bless him, therefore, as he has revealed himself to us through his word and his works. And so we need to realize that God has indeed done this. He has revealed himself to us. And the Bible calls that self-revelation, in summary, his name. I want to pause there because this is good news. This is good news to us. The fact that we can call upon God's name means that he has revealed himself in order to be known by us. He wants to be known by us. Think of this, sometimes when the police ask for a person's name, people sometimes refuse to give their name to the police. Why is that? They don't want to be known. They don't want to be known and their details to be found out. They want their privacy. They want their freedom. And likewise, we might think about how we don't want Internet companies to have data stored connected to our name, to trace back to us. Why? Well, we don't want our name and information about us to be used against us. And so we we reserve our name sometimes from others. And yet without asking God, he has given us his name. In his goodness, God has graciously revealed himself to humanity. Why? Because he wants to be known by us. And he isn't afraid of being known by us. Earlier in the catechism, the very, towards the very beginning, we confess that God made humanity good and in his own image so that he might truly know God, his creator. Love him with all his heart and live with God in eternal happiness for his praise and glory. God wants to be known by us. He made us so that we would know him. He reveals himself through his creation and through his word so that we would come to know him. Now, all of this background helps us get to the meaning of what this petition is all about. Hallowed be thy name. What does it mean? We are asking 
that God would, by his grace, enable and incline us and others to know him and fear him with loving obedience. The vision that is inherent to this petition is that of a society where God is most highly esteemed, honored, admired, and loved. That's what's behind this, that all in society, especially starting with us, would esteem God most highly, love him, fear him, and honor him throughout their whole entire life. And let me make an obvious point here. The very existence of this petition assumes that God has the power and the ability to make this happen. It assumes that God has the ability to reveal himself to the hearts of people in such a way that they would rightly know him and lovingly obey him. Let me say it again differently. It assumes God's sovereign grace to take out stony hearts and put in living hearts that respond to him, that actually know him, that beat for him, that love him, desire him. He has the ability to do that. It assumes that God has the right and the power to give sight to those who are spiritually blind so that by faith they might contemplate the splendor and beauty of the majesty of God. It assumes that God has the grace to do that. And it assumes God's grace is necessary to enable us to rightly know him and glorify him. It assumes that apart from God's saving grace, nobody would rightly know God. It is only by his grace that we rightly know him. And how does God make himself known to sinners? Well, we already mentioned it. He makes himself known through his word and by his works. And so when we pray this, we're asking God, make yourself rightly known and beloved in the hearts of all peoples, starting with us. And do that through your word and your works. Now, why does Jesus start with this petition in the Lord's Prayer? Well, the order... And the structure of the Lord's Prayer, it's not random or haphazard. These petitions are ordered by their priority. Since this is the first petition, this should be the foremost petition in our prayers to God. Our prayer should be about God ensuring that people would come to know him and rightly love him in their lives. Why? Because if people don't rightly know God and love him, then what use would be the other petitions? Think of this. What good would it be if God's kingdom came on earth without people rightly knowing God and loving him? It would be a kingdom with no inhabitants, no citizens, because you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you are born again by the spirit of God. How can we expect people to do God's will without first rightly knowing him and loving him. Why obey somebody you you don't know or you don't love? What happens to people who receive earthly blessings, their daily bread, without first rightly knowing God and loving him? Well, they become ungrateful, materialistic snobs if they do not rightly know God and love him. Why would anyone care about deliver me from temptation without knowing and loving God. Temptation to sin against whom? Why would I care about sinning against someone I don't know? 
And why would you care about the forgiveness of sins from a God that you don't even recognize or respect? You see, this first petition is the bedrock upon which the rest are built. It is the necessary condition for all the petitions that follow. In college, for those of us who went to college or those who are going to college, we know this to be true, that in some subjects, some materials, there are prerequisite classes that you have to take before you go into the upper division level of classes. You have to get through that 101 class, right? Well, this is the prerequisite petition to all of the petitions that follow. Rightly knowing God and loving him comes first. Because until God makes his name hallowed by the people, all of the other petitions are empty. If we don't first pray, hallowed be thy name, we might as well pray for an empty kingdom, empty obedience, empty reception of gifts, empty behavioral change, and empty forgiveness. Apart from rightly knowing God and loving him, that's what we would be left with. R.C. Sproul said it this way. It's a quote from him. The very first thing that Jesus told his disciples to pray for was the name of God would be regarded as holy. I'm convinced that although we pray for the manifestation and the victory of the kingdom of God, it is futile to hope for the victory of God's kingdom on this planet until or unless the name of God is regarded as sacred because God's kingdom does not come to people who have no respect for him. Likewise, we pray that the will of God will be done in this world, but God's will is not done by people who do not regard him with reverence and with adoration. So the very beginning of godliness, the very beginning of transformation in our lives and in our society begins with our posture before the character of God. Well, Sproul was right. This petition is the beginning to our godliness and our transformation in living out our Christian life before the world. And that's why the catechism says that this petition also means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. And beloved, let's think of this in our own lives. By our name, Christian, our common name, Christian, we represent to the world Christ. The name Christian means little Christ, Christians. And so if you call yourself Christian, that means that you bear the name of Jesus Christ, who is the fullest self-revelation of our creator, God. And therefore, when we make this petition as Christians, we are asking God to enable and strengthen us to walk in a manner that is worthy of his name. We should honor and uphold the value of Jesus' name in all that we do. And that brings me to our last point, that we cannot hallow God's name apart from Jesus. Why? Because you cannot rightly know God and love him apart from God's fullest revelation of himself. And Jesus is God's fullest self-revelation. Therefore, to rightly know God and love him, to hallow his name, you must do so through Jesus Christ. Because of all the ways that God has revealed himself to us by his word and works, Jesus is the fullest self-revelation of God. He is the word of God who became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And John says in his gospel, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Why did Jesus come? In this Advent season, we're thinking about the coming of Jesus. He came in order to reveal the glory of God the Father to the world. He came so that God's name would be hallowed. God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven and his will be done. And Jesus embodied this petition perfectly. At the end of his earthly ministry, John tells us that Jesus prayed to his father. And this is found in chapter 17 of John's gospel. And listen to select portions in his prayer where he emphasizes the name of God and making him known. Jesus said this, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you, that you have sent me. And I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus came to make God known to us, and he continues to do so through his word, by the power of his spirit, making himself known to our hearts. Now, how do we come to rightly know God and love him above all else? It's by hearing over and over again about the word of God who became flesh and dwelt among us and about all of his works of salvation. That is, by hearing the gospel of Jesus over and over and over again. No one can know the Father except through the word made flesh, except through Jesus Christ. As we close and we think about how the world around us is falling apart, it seems, And as we see the world falling apart and crumbling and decaying in different ways, we tend to grumble and complain about the godlessness in society, the lack of fear and reverence for God's holy name. Stop it. Stop grumbling and start praying. Let's start praying together that God would wake people up to the reality of his holy presence and his saving grace. Pray that God would enable people to know him and love him. And how how do we think that God will accomplish the hallowing of his name? How do we expect others to regard God's name as sacred in our society? It's not going to happen through politics. It's not going to happen through ranting and berating people on social media. It's not going to happen by grumbling and complaining. There are only three things that we can do and thereby expect God's name to be hallowed in our hearts and in the hearts of people around us. And that is through praying, preaching, and in our piety. So let us pray. Let us preach the gospel and let us practice what we preach. What is in God's name? What is God's name? God himself, as he has revealed himself to us in his word and works. I'll let you decide whether or not Juliet was right about the rose and the name of it. But when it comes to salvation, no other name will suffice. 
There is salvation in no one else save Jesus Christ, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus' name alone smells of sweet salvation. And so may God's holy name, which has been given to us by grace, transform us more and more into the sweet aroma of Christ to God in this world. Hallowed be his name. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this brief summary of prayer, this guide that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the great full revelation of who you are to us is. And the guide and the the beauty of this prayer, Lord, we, we ask that you would instruct us, even through your word, as we continue to meditate on it in these weeks ahead, uh, pouring over each part of this Lord's prayer and discovering what it means, even discovering again with fresh insight, Lord, we ask that you continue to press these truths upon our hearts. And most of all, we ask that your name would be hallowed in our own hearts, that we would more rightly know you as you've revealed yourself and love you with fear, reverence, awe, and obedience in our life. Lord, make this a reality in our hearts and in the lives of others around us. We pray and ask, hallowed be thy name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.